everybody. They say if you want friends, don't discuss politics and religion, right? Well, that works fine unless you are a parent. You have to talk to your kids about everything. Coming up on today's show, how to discuss serious topics like religion. Up next on The Matt Townsend Show. Good afternoon. I'm Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. The Justice Department is taking more flack for the Fast and Furious scandal, but now it's from their own watchdog. A long-awaited report by the Justice Department's Inspector General says more than a dozen people should face possible disciplinary action for mistakes and misguided strategies in the bungled gun trafficking operation known as Fast and Furious. The report faulted the work of senior officials in the Department of Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms at Justice Department headquarters and the U.S. Attorney's Office in Phoenix. The report found no evidence that Attorney General Eric Holder knew about the operation before January of last year. Jerry Bodlander, Washington. Mitt Romney is still working to defend and recover from the secretly recorded comments that he is dismissing half of the electorate that doesn't pay taxes. In an Atlanta fundraiser where cameras were present, Romney said the issue facing voters isn't who cares about struggling Americans, since both candidates obviously do. The question is, who can help the poor and the middle class? I can. He can't. He's proven it in four years. Meantime, GOP lawmakers continue to distance themselves from Romney's comments at a May meeting with donors. Maine Senator Susan Collins saying his description of 47 percent of the electorate as dependent on handouts isn't helpful. And South Carolina. Senator Lindsey Graham calling it an ill-conceived analysis. Mark Smith at the White House. An allied NATO commander in Afghanistan says the over 50 servicemen killed by insider attacks are part of an insurgent effort to wear down Western resolve. Australian Brigadier General Roger Noble says the attacks cut right to the heart of their resolve. It's one thing to be killed in action fighting insurgents, quite another to be shot in the back of the head at night by your friends. Noble says the attacks are probably having more of an impact on people at home in NATO nations than on allied forces. But he tells reporters here troops are now much more careful when dealing with Afghans. I trust the ones I speak to, but I always take a weapon and we make sure we have somebody watching what's happening. Sagar Megani at the Pentagon. Officials at the White House are close to rolling out an executive order aimed at preserving cybersecurity. With a cybersecurity measure stalled in Congress, Homeland Security Secretary Janet Napolitano says the White House is working on an executive order that aims to protect critical infrastructure from cyber attacks. Our nation confronts a dangerous combination of known and unknown vulnerabilities. Appearing before the Senate Homeland Security Committee, Napolitano said the order would not take the place of cyber legislation. Republicans last month blocked a cyber bill in the Senate, but sponsors are hoping for a different result during the lame duck session. Jerry Bodlander, Capitol Hill. You're listening to BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. I'm Sam McCall. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Matt Townsend. Your relationship coach, your guide on the side. We do what we can on this program every Monday through Friday to help you and your loved ones grow healthier, happier lives, give you a leg up on this crazy thing we call life. 
Welcome to the program today. I think we have a very interesting subject to to talk about today, a subject that I believe uh, it's going to be a great lesson, just a pure, full-on lesson about uh, the world, the world religions, and uh, the impact. Now, why I bring this up, I have a daughter who happens to be abroad studying in the Middle East, okay? And while she's there, um, she's been sending back some just wonderful you know, insights, things she's learning, things she didn't know quite that much about that she wished she wished her parents had taught her more about. I know, it's her mother. And um, it's just amazing how little I think we really understand about not just geography of the world, not just the politics of the world, but the religions of the world. And so many of these religions are so, and politics about, uh, uh, that are impacting our world and our lives today are so profoundly impacted by the religious views of um, the world that I thought today, wouldn't it make sense that we try to see if we can't become better educated, not only in the world religions, but maybe in how you talk to your children about religion. And uh, one reason I'm bringing it up, too, is there's just so many horrible or difficult or painful stories that are connected to religion, that uh, like the Holocaust. And you hear that millions of Jews were killed during the Holocaust. And then we're trying to explain that concept to our children. And was it about religion? And what was it about the religion? And uh, all this, all that we see between the Americans, the Crusaders, the Christians coming to destroy the uh, Muslim world, and now the Muslim world retaliating and blowing up embassies. I mean, all of this politics, all of the chaos, all of the confusion that we have going on in the world, a lot of it, I believe, can be deeply um, uh, understood or better understood or more deeply understood if we could understand and maybe find a little bit of respect for the the world religions and some of the religious views that, uh, that, are, that are going on out there. And I wanted to um, mainly do this just out of selfish reasons to maybe see what I had to learn here. And interestingly, we found a guest that I think is going to be wonderful. His name is Dr. Jeff Chadwick. Uh, he is from Brigham Young University here, but has spent eight years living in Jerusalem, headquarters of many world religions, right? And uh, we're going to be picking uh, Dr. Chadwick's brain and see what he can help us understand just about, you know, the world religions, what are we missing, what are we not, and maybe give us some ideas for how we can discuss world religions and some of the concepts of these um, religions and faiths and different beliefs with our children. How do we bring it up? How do we clarify some of the confusion that we might be experiencing out there? So uh, another interesting thing we wanted to talk about is the idea that, uh, you know, all these religions, we hear about them, we hear, you know, countries, Iraq, Iran, uh, Syria, we're having issues in Syria now. Um, Israel, all of these different countries are mentioned. But wouldn't it be interesting to figure out which country is most um, abundantly practicing which religion? Well, here's a look at the top four religions and their favorite countries. In ninth grade, I had to take a world geography class. What was required for the class? Well, basic memorization of every single country and where they could be found on the map. However, along with all this geography stuff was mixed in a little bit of world religion. I would say this was really my first experience learning about what religions define which countries. 
and how those religions really influence the politics of the country. So let's go on our own little tour of the world, but this time we're going to study by religion. So let's start off with the big four largest religions. And number one is Christianity, accounting for 2.1 billion of the world's population. So which nation has the greatest number of Christians? If you guess the United States, you'd be right. Next to the United States is Brazil in second. And in a surprising third is China. What country has the greatest percentage of their population as Christian? If you guess the Vatican City, you'd be right, with 100% of their population being Christian. And Romania is second, with Christianity accounting for 99% of their population. The next religion is Islam, with 1.5 billion. There are actually 49 countries in the world, with the majority of their population being Muslim. And which country has the greatest population of Muslims? That would be Indonesia, accounting for 12.7% of the world's Muslims. However, Afghanistan, Saudi Arabia, and Somalia, all those countries that you hear about in the news, actually hold the greatest number of population density for Muslims at 100%. Next up is Hinduism. Hinduism accounts for 900 million people. And which country has the greatest percentage of Hindus in their population? That would be Nepal. However, there are over 2 million people in India that practice Hinduism, making it the country with the greatest number of Hindus. Finally, Buddhism rounds out the top four world religions. And, maybe not surprisingly, China is home to the largest number of people studying Buddhism. But Laos has the greatest percentage of their population practicing Buddhism, with 98% of their population claiming Buddhism as their religion. One more interesting fact. Turns out, being non-religious is turning into a religion. Non-religious people account for 1 billion of today's population. And Estonia, Sweden, and Japan are home to the greatest percentage of non-religious people. So, no matter where you live or which religion you espouse, enjoy the cultural and religious differences of others. You aren't alone out there, after all. An excellent educational experience with Catherine Allen. Appreciate that so much because really um, it's interesting. The numbers, we hear about it and I think we sense it and I think we sense the impact of it, but I'm not sure most of us really quite understand uh, the background of these religions, the interplay between them and the interplay between them and some of the politics that goes on in the region as well. So we're bringing on our expert, Dr. Jeff Chadwick from Brigham Young University, uh, professor of archaeology and Near Eastern Studies. We're going to be picking his brain and figuring out what it is we need to know. What do we need to know about these religions? Why can't we all just get along? Maybe he's got some ideas on that as well. And also, maybe even more importantly, how do we discuss it with our families, our children? How do we teach them about how to be tolerant and open to the religious views of others? You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show. We'll be back after this break right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Sirius XM 143. BYU Radio. An advanced design for space rovers that reminds you of your pet hamster? Next. 
This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. NASA's most exciting and cutting-edge projects may come from the office of the Chief Technologist's NIAC program. The NASA Innovative Advanced Concepts Awards promote new ways of thinking that could radically improve how we explore space in the future. A case in point is a NIAC project to design a hybrid concept for space probes to comets, asteroids, and small moons. Instead of fighting the low-gravity conditions of these places, the hybrid approach would use a base platform that releases a fleet of small robotic spheres. These instrumented spheres will roll, hop, tumble, and bounce across the target, taking advantage of the low gravity to cover lots of ground, scrambling like your pet hamster in his plastic ball. The spheres would network between themselves and their base and report the results for relay to Earth. This approach carries the sensors of the probe over a wider sampling area in a shorter time than a single rover. And if one sphere is lost, the rest can carry on exploring. The hybrid probe may one day go where conventional rovers can't. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. So you'd want to bring another shirt than just your Hawaiian one, Dave, depending on where you go. You won't even need to pack your bags to see the world through the eyes of folk artist Eric Dowdle. I don't care if we go to Siberia. Dave's in a Hawaiian shirt with camera and Bermudas. Absolutely. Traveling with Eric Dowdle, weekday evenings at 9 Eastern on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. And flippity flops. (laughs) Flip flops. There we go. You got it. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We are talking about religion. How do you talk to your kids about religion? How do we understand you know, the, the world religions and the impact that they have on each other and on us and the impact we from the United States and our religions have on the rest of the world? And uh, before we bring on our expert, I wanted to just do, um, do a little uh, segment here from one of our producers. Now, we always want to talk to our children about our own beliefs, right, and about our religion. But sometimes what can affect them most is letting them have other experiences and deciding on their own about religion. Our producer, Madison, shares her experiences with growing up and religion. In my opinion, a key part of talking to your children about religion is to not talk to them. Yes, this sounds a bit odd, but let me explain myself. No matter how much you talk to them or how positive you are, they simply need exposure to others in order to make a lasting decision. I grew up in an area that was a cultural melting pot. I was the only one in my school for my religion. From an early age, I was expected to attend my family's Sunday meetings, but if invited, I was able to attend others' services. I know that a key aspect in my decision about which religion I would belong to was my parents letting me have exposures to others. My experiences at all the other churches were always positive. They were all different and ranged from the solemn to the extravagant, but a few stood out to me. I was able to attend my best friend's communion, and it was a wonderful experience, even though I blundered through the sacrament and did not quite know how to properly cross myself. I attended a friend's play at her Anglican church service, where they reenacted the war in heaven, and they used real weapons. Thankfully, the fighting was not. 
One that had the most impact on me was actually not held at a church building, but at a home. I went to my friend's house after school one day, and they practiced Islam. Right as they walked in through the door, they rolled out their beautiful prayer rugs and turned east to Mecca. I felt a bit awkward, but their father was especially generous and brought out another one and showed me how to properly pray. I went to a Hindu festival with a friend from India, and it was one of the most fun times I have ever had. It was heaven for a girl who was obsessed with other cultures, and the bright colors, exotic fabrics, glittering jewelry, the sights and the smells were almost more than I could take. I was even able to learn one of their songs. These exposures were essential for me to decide what religion I wanted to attend and join. By my parents allowing me these experiences, I was able to decide for myself, and I have never had any doubt or any what-if thoughts that can trouble a young adult's mind. My advice is to let your children decide. Great advice, Madison. And um, it really, it, it, there's so much culture. There's so much depth of understanding. And I think there's just so much we do not understand about these religions, world religions, and even about just the simple culture around these religions. So we're bringing on our expert, Dr. Jeff Chadwick, a Brigham Young University professor. Um, He is an associate professor of religious education in Bible and Jewish studies. He has lived um, as a professor. Brigham Young University has a center over in Israel called the Jerusalem Center, and Dr. Chadwick has been a professor there of archaeology and of Near Eastern studies. Dr. Chadwick, thanks for being here. Nice to be here. Thank you. Uh, now, you, eight years, you've lived in Israel. Yeah, that would be if you added it all up together. It comes in spurts. The longest period I've lived there uh, without <clears throat> returning to the United States was two and a half years. Really? Um, Did you which, take your family there? Was your, were your kids My there? family has lived uh, and gone to school uh, in, um, in Israel. All of my uh, children are adults now, but yeah. uh, they all attended school in Israel and, and loved it and had somewhat the same diverse experience as, uh-huh. uh, as the segment that we last heard. Yeah. This uh, melting pot, Jerusalem, the melting pot of the world, isn't it, in, of religion? Well, I don't know if it's a melting pot. It, it certainly is a refrigerator with all kinds of different products in it, <laughs> and uh, some of them uh, c- clash with each other. Uh, some of them smell a little bit. Uh, <laughs> a little uh, fermented. But, but all of them are pretty good if you get them fresh, and yeah. that's uh, what's important. So what is it? Okay, help us understand all these religions. I'm sure they all teach good things of you know, service and love and charity and all of these concepts, and yet we just still don't get along. Well, religion is um, – inherently conflictive because religion generally – and I teach world religions classes. I'm, I'm something of a knowledgeable person about uh, Judaism, Islam, Christianity, years of living in the right. Middle East and actually studying. I went to the Hebrew University of Jerusalem. We'll, we'll acquaint you there. I have literally hundreds and hundreds of close friends who are either uh, Israeli Jews or who are um, uh, Arabs living in Israel or the Palestinian territories, Jordan, Egypt. Um, And so I'm close to them as well and lots of Christian friends, obviously, but also um, uh, very familiar with Hinduism and and Buddhism. We're lucky in that regard because right here where Brigham Young University is in the same county, we have one of the most remarkable Hindu temples oh, in I know. America. I love that. Is that amazing? Uh, it's, uh, it, it's a big joke about that. You know, you <laughs> have the biggest Hindu festival in America and it's uh, 10,000 Utahns and 15 right. Hindus. <laughs> a bunch of Mormons get, are the ones that go. That's great. So um, I, I do like to study religion, but it's interesting that uh, that conflict is inherently built in because – Almost all religious traditions um, 
understand themselves to have truth, uh, some very unique truth, and in most cases, a truth that the world would be better off with if they recognized it. Mm -hmm. Therefore, most religions, and there are a few that are kind of a lit and live and let live uh, yeah, philosophy. Just, yeah, let them be. But but most religions are um, uh, feel the necessity to proselyte and to bring people to see their way. They the the motive there is usually positive, whether it's a, a, a Christian uh, proselyting, whether it's a Muslim proselyting, whether it's a Buddhist or Sikh proselyting. Mm -hmm. They want you to have what they think will bring you a great eternal reward. Uh, the problem is that if you don't agree with them, and in fact you happen to say, well, actually we think yeah. yours isn't the reward, reward and ours is, is the reward, reward right. then there can be feelings hurt and that can lead to real clashes. And this has gone on for eons, oh, right? Sure. So this is since from the day one. Sure. Is it um, is it hopeless to think that uh, I mean are we hopeless thinking that it will never change? Well, if you are of the uh, general um, uh, Christian persuasion that believes in the the coming of Jesus and a, a a world that then confesses that He is Savior and and will be their King and ruler, then you hope for that day when all people live in peace and the lion lies down with the lamb without eating the lamb. Yeah, but. Um, until that happens, things don't look like they'll get any uh, less conflictive, really, to me. Well, and it and it almost just gets intensified when then you have geo geographical issues and geopolitical issues, and well, religion was never uh, non-political. Yeah. Uh, religion uh, claims and tries to uh, to to influence and even to regulate the affairs of mankind in in all types uh, all facets of life. Politics uh -huh. and government attempt to do that same thing. The idea of uh, of you know uh, separating uh, uh, politics or government into religion is is a legal fiction. It is. It's a myth. You can you can constitutionally or by law separate uh, church institutions from state institutions, and and we think that's a good idea here in America. Yeah. Other other countries have different views. But the idea that religion is not involved in politics and vice versa, when when both politics and religion are are trying to um, to influence uh, uh, the values of, of the population, to think that those won't mix and to claim that they shouldn't mix mm -hmm. is is ridiculous. Yeah, it's it really not, is. It's it's. Um, I guess it's when we look at all of this, which we try to like implement our paradigms, our views on the world, like. There should be a separation. Hello, what's the problem? But in reality, no, a culture that goes back that far, you're not. We're actually rather remarkable in that we have managed to separate them and yet remain so religious as a society. Yeah. Uh, if you look at places that haven't bothered to separate them, where you have actual state churches in some of the countries in Europe, you know they're empty. Um, uh, America is unique in in that uh, um, legal separation of uh, of uh, religious institutions and state institutions some countries of course have have uh, followed our lead on that right. and 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 they're struggling with how difficult that is to do but but it's really rather unique and, and especially unique in history yeah yeah it really is isn't it cuz we're just so um well and i guess some of it is I mean, maybe it's just that little entrepreneurial creative spirit of <laughs> just keep growing religions. Um, is that what it is? Well, you know, growing the religion is important. But I, I think that most people in religion, whether you're uh, an evangelical, a Baptist, a Catholic, a Mormon, uh, or uh, a Muslim, or a Sikh proselyting, 
are growing their religion because they think it's they, the right thing yeah, to do they for have faith people. In it. They believe in it. Yeah, they think it's the right thing to do for people, and and so it, it's a it's a good motive a, until someone supposes that the uh, the ends justify the means, and right. it goes sour in certain cases. Exactly. Help give us some insight because one of the things that's really big in the news today are um, so the the Muslims feel like. Um, Certain people are not respecting Muhammad's image, and that's starting to cause – like the video that came out that is now causing all of those problems. Educate us. Is, is, explain that in a Christian view. What does that equate to? Well, it, it's, it's interesting. First of all, uh, these are really two separate issues. The one issue within Islam, which is that the person of Muhammad is sacrosanct. Um, uh, Muhammad as the Rasulullah, as the messenger of God on earth, and, and the last of all the prophets or messengers of God, has to be held in an esteem that uh, that other societies would reserve for God or or gods. Mm. Um, uh, there just cannot be any disrespect shown in Muslim uh, venues for Muhammad without that being considered a, a, a horrible and blasphemous uh, offense. Now, the other thing, which is that there's a lot of violence that can occur when people feel that Muhammad has been uh, blasphemed yeah. or violated or dishonored, is actually uh, an aspect of, uh, of civil society. And now I'm speaking personally. Yeah. It's actually an aspect of civil societies that have some growth and maturing to do because um, in our society, uh, we – and I'm speaking now not only as a Mormon but as someone who claims to be a Christian and uh, someone who recognizes others' rights as well, we recognize that uh, uh, for better or worse and could be for worse really, in Western society, very sacred precepts and sacred people get blasphemed and mocked all the time yeah. and yet we're not burning anything because of it. Right. Uh, the big thing this week in the news was uh, you know, how – Mormons aren't burning down things because of the Broadway play, The Book of Mormon, which right. is very offensive to many of us. Right. But uh, I'm not going to go out and riot about that. And and why would Muslims in Middle Eastern countries and even today in Indonesia riot and destroy and even take life because of this? It has to do with society and, and civility in general. Uh, there are Muslims everywhere who would be offended if Muhammad were insulted but would never dream yeah. of doing the things that we're seeing on the news. Well, that's what that's what's interesting. Like Indonesia is one of the largest Muslim countries, and yet you don't hear a lot of the violence coming out of Indonesia. And yet today it does, and that shows that there's something behind this. It's not just this movie. This movie is probably a pretense, and it's being used by certain parties across the Islamic mm -hmm. spectrum to foment uh, a, a political dissatisfaction that um, uh, that they would like to foment, yeah, and right. you know we have stirring. to leave it there. Yeah. But but Muslims in and of themselves, uh, many of the East countries don't have the internet, and so they're not uh, watching know, it on the internet. Yeah, anyway. in the uh, in the wilds of the backyards of Yemen, they they don't have as much <laughs> internet uh, linkages as the so United States. So there's a business doesn't. opportunity. So over there. so someone's stoking that, but the yeah. fact that it can be stoked shows the problem. Um, people don't like their religious beliefs to be mocked. Uh, Muslims don't like it. Mormons don't like it. Uh, uh, Catholics don't like it. No one likes it. 
And the question is, how do we react to it? And quite frankly, um, it looks like bad behavior in the Muslim world right now. But my guess is that there's something behind that wanting to perpetrate that bad behavior and that by and large, this wouldn't be an issue if it weren't being artificially stoked. Yeah, love that. Well, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, doctor, I'd love you to talk about um, what, what should we know? about world religions. What what really is the spirit of all of this? What is the approach we should take? What was the approach you te- you took to be able to weave through all of these religions as a, a kind of an advocate of one, but really a student of all? I'd love to see what we should be teaching our family, our kids about tolerance, about religion. So we will be talking about that with Dr. Jeff Chadwick, Brigham Young University uh, uh, professor at the Jerusalem Center and also here on BYU campus, professor of archaeology and Near East Studies. We'll be back after uh, this break on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Support for BYU Radio comes from Dex. Need something local and need it now? Dex has it in the book at DexKnows.com or on your mobile phone. Current local info, reviews, and advice. Dex. Results for the here and now. BYU Radio's This Will Take a While brings you engaging and often digressive conversations about film, books, hockey, geography, culture, art, and pretty much everything else. Join host and BYU film professor Dean Duncan weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern and Saturdays at 1 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM 143, BYU Radio. Good afternoon, I'm Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143, BYU Radio. Previously owned home sales surged up last month to their highest point in over two years. The reported increase of 7.8% was better than expected, and Walter Maloney with the National Association of Realtors says the full year should be better as well. We're going to be seeing the best year out of the past five. Total sales this year up 8 to 10%. Interest rates remain at record low levels, but economist Patrick Newport says the broader economy needs to improve. It would be nice to have some better jobs numbers out there. We have a lot of young adults living with their parents because they can't find a job. Newport looks for the Federal Reserve's actions to send mortgage interest rates modestly lower from here. Mark Hamrick, Washington. A new advertisement is going up in New York subway tunnels that describes jihad as savages. New York City's Transit Authority says it is powerless to block the ad scheduled to run in subway stations starting next week. It reads, in any war between the civilized man and the savage, support the civilized man. And the words, support Israel, defeat jihad, wedged in between two stars of David. The Metropolitan Transportation Authority initially rejected the ad but lost a First Amendment appeal. Pamela Geller, whose organization is placing it, says she never considered withdrawing the ad because of the recent unrest over insults to the Prophet Muhammad. Any violence, she maintained, would be the perpetrator's fault and no one else's. Warren Levinson, New York. British officials are making even more arrests of people connected to the phone hacking scandal. 
Detectives have arrested two journalists from the Sun tabloid and a serving policeman, part of a probe into inappropriate payments to police and public officials. The corruption investigation is being run in conjunction with probes into phone hacking that followed the revelations that reporters at Rupert Murdoch's now-shuttered News of the World tabloid routinely intercepted voicemails of those in the public eye. Some 50 people so far have been interviewed by police working on this probe called Operation L. Then, Charles de Ledesma, London. You can probably guess the richest people in America because once again, the same names are on top. The 2012 Forbes list of America's richest looks a lot like the 2011 list. Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, and Oracle founder Larry Ellison still hold down the top three spots. Gates, who's worth $66 billion, has been the richest man in America for 19 years in a row. Then it's the Koch brothers, four Waltons, and New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg. An increase in Waltons pushed investor George Soros and casino mogul Sheldon Adelson out of the top ten. There are 20 new names in the Forbes 400, worth at least $1.1 billion each. That's up $50 million from a year ago. Warren Levinson, New York. You're listening to BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Uh, We're talking about tolerance and world religion and how to understand a little bit more, how to teach your family, hopefully get some insights, some keys, and some ideas in how to connect and and understand what's going on in the religions around us. You know, there's a lot of trouble going on in the world. Some blame it on religion, but when you get right down to the heart of it, it's simply a lack of tolerance. Last week's attacks on embassies overseas... If you've been following the news, you know it's a big mess. The White House is blaming the attacks and the murder of our ambassador in Libya on a video which depicts Muhammad in a bad light. And, of course, that's a complicated issue. There's a lot of political and military factors to consider. But if you look at the video as the cause, we know that's a problem that's not going to go away. What's it been? A week? And already a French magazine is publishing another less-than-flattering cartoon depicting Muhammad, and now France is having to close its embassies for a while just in case something flares up. In this world, there's a never-ending supply of, well, jerks who create inconsiderate, rude, or irreverent content simply for the sake of just watching others squirm. And in turn, there's plenty of people who get really mad really quickly when you attack their group. And I think that's where the T word comes in. Tolerance. I consider myself a fairly devout Mormon, and as I've watched South Park, they've had some very cruel, mean depictions of my faith. I do confess once in a while I get a little guilty laugh, but overall it makes me very angry. And as a Christian, I've seen some very rude depictions of Jesus Christ that have made me downright furious. But like you, my mother did a good job teaching me tolerance growing up. I might not like what I see, but I have to calmly step back and control my emotions. I don't have to approve of others' rude content, but there's no room for vicious attacks, even if I feel justified attacking them. But I've also seen a few other news stories lately that make me wonder if tolerance in itself is the best course of action. You remember that Sunday where a gunman walked into a Sikh temple and shot 10 people? Here's a faith that's never hurt anybody. Now, my gut would say the Sikh faithful who were the victims that day 
have every right to set tolerance aside and get really, really angry. Angry at the man, who's now dead, who caused the problem. Angry at a world that might have driven this man to do this. Angry at the man's family. Angry at his parents and the way they raised him. But no, they didn't do any of that. Instead, and I'm quoting from the newspaper here, they began offering prayers for their fellow believers who were killed, police officers who risked their lives, and even the attacker. They say this is the ethos of Sikhism. We absolutely believe that as we gather to pray for the souls of the innocents who died, it's equally important for us to pray for those tormented with hate as they find peace as well. It kind of mirrors the 2006 shooting at an Amish schoolhouse, which left five children dead. Right after that horrible tragedy, a grandfather of one of the murdered Amish girls warned other young relatives not to hate the killer, saying, we must not think evil of this man. The Amish people reached out to the shooter's widow, helping her feel included at the memorial service for the girls killed. An Amish man held the shooter's sobbing father in his arms for an hour, comforting him from the shock, from finding out what terrible tragedy his son had caused. I mean, no matter your religious belief or background, there's a certain human dignity here. And imagine if the whole world had this human dignity, not just to be tolerant, but to go beyond that. It wouldn't end the negative actions like the irreverent cartoons or the mean words or the violence, but it could end the negative reactions if we all reacted like the Sikhs in Wisconsin and the Amish in Pennsylvania and all the good people you know who live this way, who don't just tolerate others but reach out and care for them as a valued fellow human being. Well done, Rob. Um, tolerance. And uh, today we're talking with Dr. Jeff Chadwick, uh, who is a Brigham Young University professor of archaeology and Near Eastern studies. He spent eight years abroad living in Jerusalem uh, as an educator there at the Brigham Young University Jerusalem Center. Professor, welcome to ha- good to have you here. Welcome to the show again. Thank you. Thank you. So, uh, um, Phyllis, what are we missing about these world religions? What What do we need to know and and how do we get a sense and a flavor of more respect, more tolerance for these? Well, that's, a, that's interesting. It has, to be, it has to be nurtured. And um, it's interesting listening to this segment that we just finished too because the way that we teach um, the world religions courses here at BYU, we use tolerance in a different sense hmm. uh, maybe than, than uh, many would, uh, would use it. Um, tolerance is actually when you uh, inculcate into yourself, into your children, into your society, into your congregations, um, a sense of appreciation and, uh, at, at the very least common denominator, uh, toleration, that you, that you allow other people of other faiths or maybe of no faith, maybe they're atheist, yeah, yeah. maybe they're agnostic – you tolerate their opinions, you tolerate their beliefs, you tolerate their actions and their association in society. That's tolerance, where you say, live and let live, where you say, everyone has a right to worship as they want, and at least in terms of civil society, we recognize all peaceful religion as uh, being equivalently, um, uh, 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 having equivalent rights. Right. When you get into this situation where you have attacks yeah. and then you have uh, people who are harmed by others who are intolerant, 
the response to that can either either be negative and and violence and reactive, or it can be one that would not really be described so much as tolerance, but as patience or restraint. Oh, neat! Yeah, and that's a whole different thing. Yeah, uh, tolerance is when you positively recognize the value of other people's religious rights yeah. to operate in your society. Mm-hmm. Now, you can find places on earth that are tolerant and places that are not. Right. Very honestly, and not wanting to cast this in a in a negative or critical light, but just to, to call it what it is, much of the Muslim world is not tolerant of other faiths. You can't go to Saudi Arabia and it's very hard in many other Muslim countries to act as an as an operating Christian with a congregation, etc. Everyone knows these stories, right. and we don't need to elaborate on them. Whereas in the United States uh, in. and other places, uh, you're free to operate religiously right. however you'd like. Uh, in some countries that consider themselves enlightened countries, tolerance is also fading because of a secular hostility to religion – that is itself religious because it's anti-religious. Exactly. It's, it's a belief system. In our country, uh, which is the United States, and in most of the enlightened world, however, we do have tolerance. What we need to also preach, however, is patience and restraint. Mm-hmm. And that goes for us. I mean, we as as uh, Christians, and, and uh, I include Mormons in this, when when our faith is attacked, when there are are, are programs or when there are um, pronouncements or when there's art or when there are television series that that uh, demean Christianity or demean uh, Judaism or Judeo-Christian values or Mormonism, when, yeah. when you have not only from The Simpsons but to Broadway demeaning right. Mormonism, is our reaction. Uh, 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 tolerant? Well, no, we, we would not tolerate that at all, and we're not tolerating it, tolerating it in our minds and hearts, but we are reacting as we have been taught, which is with patience and mm-hmm. restraint, because to act otherwise is is well, out I, of the question. And you may have seen, so there's the play on, B- on Broadway, mm-hmm. uh, the Book of Mormon. Is that what it's called? Book, yeah, yeah. Book of Mormon. And, um, but BYU, or not BYU, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is actually advertising in the playbill of that play now. They're actually advertising – hey, and the, the actual advertisement says uh, – it's a guy holding the Book of Mormon says, I read the original thing. Oh, no, the originals must, but much better. Yeah. And it, so it's so very in a weird clever, way. It's right. really – it's kind of showing – it's just showing, okay, we'll play. You know, there's an old saying, um, uh, I don't care what you say about me as long as you spell my name right. <laughs> that's the, and that's, that's – right. uh, that's, I don't know how old that is. But yeah, it's, it's pretty you know, old. I no, get it all the time though because – uh, and and all that matters really, you yeah. see what comes around is that you will get some notoriety uh, for better or for worse just because your name's being put mm-hmm. out there. And in time, uh, uh, people who are of decent and good character will eventually investigate something about you. Yeah. And that's what I think the Mormon church I is counting so. on is that people who have heard and seen the play and recognize it as really disgustingly intolerant will uh, one day see a Book of Mormon and check it out. I've I got to look in that. Not even and, the, and the same yeah. really, I, I would say, with all Christianity. Uh, I love to see 
uh, you used to see this all the time, in the end zone of any big yeah. football game. John People th- with John 316 exactly. on, on, on cards, and now, of course, football players will paint it on their eyelids, and et cetera. <laughs> Get that message out there. Well, somebody's going to open that sometime right. and see what it says, and that message is going to change their life. The same is true with other religions that are, A, tolerant, and B, patient. I think that's a per- that's actually the that's a perfect combination, really. And, and your confidence should come from your ability to do to be um, patient and not not you know demand something, but maybe just living it. It seems like a lot of us might get our confidence from being able to tear down another religion or poke the holes in it instead of just being confident in our own. There are there are times for uh, rebutting and telling our story correctly, but. Rarely is the time when it works in the midst of the conflict. That's right, right in the fire. You usually wait and uh, and regroup and build. Uh, you know, what we really have to teach kids today is tolerance and patience. Oh, it's a perfect Tolerance comment. for others, but patience in the way you react when you're offended. And, and tell me that does not speak so much more what the Sikhs did, what the um, – what the uh, – the Amish, the Amish you know, uh, sure. father did. I mean, that is so powerful. That speaks so much more profoundly to your religion than the war. Well, this this of course is is the basic Judeo Christian concept. It's also inculcated into Buddhism and yeah. to much of the philosophy of Hinduism is to be patient and let the divine work out rewards. Mm-hmm. That's faith, I guess, huh? Well, that is faith. There's sure. your faith. Yeah. Now, tell us how you go about. I mean, so you're somebody that has you've seen the world, you've studied all these religions. How do you how do you see what's the powerful way to influence others and to actually better understand the religions of others, the faiths um, of others? Well, first of all, to talk, to be involved. Um, it, it's easier now than it used to be for uh, for Mormons, and I think it's easier for for people of all faiths in America because we are we are becoming so much more diverse now. Is to get outside your circle and participate. Um, don't be afraid that going to a Catholic mass or going to an evangelical um, uh, celebration yeah, revival, service, right? right uh, or, or going to a, a, a Mormon social or even a Mormon meeting or going to a, uh, to a Jewish festival or a Hindu festival will necessarily harm you or that it's doing anything evil. If you are not doing this in order to become that religion but in order to understand it and appreciate it and appreciate people, you're actually practicing the highest values of your own faith. That's exactly right. And then they grow. And then in an interesting way, they become attractive to others because well, then all do. of a sudden they can be attracted to understand yours. Uh, yeah. I mean uh, I, I know people that, that feel really funny when I suggest that they go to a Hindu festival or that they come oh. to uh, – they go to a Passover Seder, which of course we do at BYU. I conduct a Passover That's Seder right. here my, because yeah, my we have so few Jewish people that it's <laughs> unlikely they'll ever get invited anywhere. So we, we do as authentic a one as we can here. And um, uh, to anything else, you know, we have a uh, we have uh, at noon here on the BYU campus a, a Muslim uh, prayer service on Friday, and uh, oh, really? it's open if people would like to visit it. Well, and, and that's in every town. I mean, so the, I guess one thing we could be doing with our family is going out and exploring some of these religions, going out and and going to a going to a. Um, uh, a Catholic ceremony and and actually asking questions about it and learning about yeah. it, preparing for it. 
I think that's always best approached if you have a, a kind of an invitation to do this. It, you you can give the impression of kind of like going to a carnival. Well, yeah. let's go see the Catholics let's this week, or let's there, go see kids. the Jews yeah. this week, or something. Yeah. And you would want, not want people to feel like they're on you know on your list of your yeah. bucket list of religion things yeah, to next. do. So the best way to do this is to to make associations with people and then accept their invitations, hmm. which generally wind up coming at one time or another. Would you what like if to they're going to convert you? That's you know, the problem. What wanna, if they convert you? Nah, it's not, first of all, not everybody proselytes. That's not, and that's Jews not don't proselyte. Goal. They're not interested in having you become Jewish. Jews uh, and, and others think that you know, if, if, if you were meant to be a Jew, God would have made you a Jew. Yeah. Um, uh, Buddhists are very live and let live in that regard. You don't have to be Buddhist in order to to uh, have a heavenly reward. Right. Uh, you don't have to be Jewish in order to have a heavenly reward in, in the way that Jews look at things. Christianity and Islam, though, are kind of triumphalist, and they think you got to be their way in order to get that reward, and so they're more likely to suggest you ought to change teams. That's interesting. Convince you over. Give us, uh, as we wrap this up, Dr. Chadwick, what um, tolerance and patience, what a great combination. What else? What, what else would you just leave with us to know that to, how to open our heart to all the other religions of the world? One of the things I have found, and this is interesting, I mean, I've, I've met some very, very um, nasty people oh, uh, traveling in the Middle East, and some of them were Muslim. And some of them were were of other faiths as well. I mean, it, it, some were just travel it, agents. It goes around, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, some of the, yeah, some of them were actually uh, the security people at airports, but <laughs> um, uh, uh, and not only you know in foreign airports. <laughs> but uh, what I find is that as you talk with people, wonderful Jewish people, wonderful Catholic people, wonderful Muslim people, they have a sense for the divine that that can be transferred. In other words, Muslims have a very uh, defined concept of what God is. Uh, Jews also, Mormons also, right. other Christians also, uh, in in areas of Buddhism also. But but there is this tendency for us to say, well, God loves us all, and we are all in one way or another His creations, or either metaphorically or in reality His children. And so there, I find that among people, there's this idea that you can respect someone else's belief mm. for God. And when you do that, when you respect a Muslim's belief for God as you would re- yeah. re- respect your own or, or a Catholic's, then you build a bond of brotherhood. Yeah, that we share in common, right? So yeah. you're going to the common ground. Yeah, then, and then you can talk and then you can respect each other. Yeah. And you don't even have to say we agree to disagree. No. You just realize but, that's yeah. how people should act. You believe in that higher power, whatever that – everyone will have their own definition. And everybody calls it God mm-hmm. too. You know? Do they? Yeah. hundred yeah. and whatever. As near as I've been able to tell. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? That really – and I guess that's where, it all, that's where it all begins. That's somewhere where we can find some common ground. Yeah. There are very few atheists that I've met that are really atheistic. You know? Yeah, they're true. Many of them want to be spiritual. They're just not into religion. And, yeah, I don't want to have to go to a building. But, but when it comes down to it, you know, well, there probably is a God and I just hope I'm doing OK. <laughs> Good stuff. I've been talking with Dr. Jeff Chadwick from Brigham Young University. We're going to have him back to help us understand uh, more of the complexity – of uh, world religions, but appreciate you being here. Uh, Great insight. It's very nice to be here. And uh, we will be back with more, uh, just a little bit of a wrap-up, more ideas on how to, you know, find more tolerance in our lives and more patience now, right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.
Sirius XM 143. BYU Radio. The ultimate cleaning tool of the future might be plain water with a little something extra. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. We often forget how many ways water is used in our daily living, as well as in many industrial processes. But wasting clean water in these daily tasks is expensive. So when Professor Tim Layton and Dr. Peter Birkin of the University of Southampton perfected a more efficient way to wash things, it caught the attention of industry. The pair won the Royal Society Brian Mercer Award for Innovation and about $440,000 in prize money to develop their new device for market. Their cleaner connects to any water tap and creates a powerful stream of water containing microscopic bubbles vibrated with ultrasonics. The bubbles can get into very tiny spaces to disrupt dirt as they collapse. Ultrasonic cleaning isn't new, but before this invention, you needed a container big enough to submerge whatever you were cleaning. This system is as much as 100 times more efficient than current methods and can be used in everything from sterilizing operating room tools to cleaning vegetables to replacing pressure washers. And yes, it makes your hands really clean. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Richard and Linda Iyer are world-traveling family coaches, and they have some advice for you. From how to deal with a rebellious teenager to managing a family reunion, the Iyers have experienced it all. Wherever they happen to be traveling in the world, you can always find them here Monday through Thursday at 6.30 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Talk about good. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Wrapping up this show about tolerance and patience. I loved uh, what Brother Jadwick said about uh, the concept of it's not enough just to to be tolerant. We also, at the same time, uh, need to be patient because our tolerance is great, and tolerance is me proactively letting you, um, you know, have your thoughts, have your views, and in fact, me even fighting for the right for you to have those views. But then. We also need to, you know, exert some patience and some uh, some patience when you choose to, you know, live your rights in a way that harms mine and takes advantage of me. One of the things that I've learned, interestingly, from my daughter is my daughter had a chance, a little Mormon girl, uh, to go to a bat mitzvah of her friend, a little Jewish friend of hers. And she went away, and, or went to this this event, and again, somebody from a fairly conservative background, you know, very Christian background, going in and, and seeing um, this Jewish um, celebration. And I remember her coming home, not quite understanding the culture of it all, but understanding that there was something really special about this girl, and that the family... The, the family was all they were all showing a lot of love towards this the girl who's who was celebrating the bat mitzvah and they might she forged this great relationship and they were wonderful friends in high school and cared about each other and then my daughter had a chance to go to israel um this and this young woman friend of hers had never been to israel yet was jewish and uh, she got uh, she texted my daughter and just 
just it was such rev, you know reverence and esteem that she got to go to Israel before um, the little Mormon girl got to go to Israel before the Jewish girl. And my daughter promised her that when she went to Israel, she would go and she would see it for her. And she would always try to look at it through her friend's eyes. And she made a really, you know, significant effort to go to the Wailing Wall, the Western Wall, the prayer wall in Israel, and um, to, while she was at the wall, to basically be offering the prayer for her little Jewish friend back in Utah. And right then, when my daughter sent that message home to us, it taught me the point that, you know what? What if we all cared enough about people from the other faiths, about from other religions? What if we cared enough to actually make sure that we offered prayers in their behalf? Uh, and we even offered them maybe their way. And we thought about each other enough to um, perhaps, before we make fun of a religion, before we don't understand a religion, we thought about just what it might mean to them or what their God might mean to them. And it taught me that my daughter's growing up, and it also taught me a valuable lesson for what all of us should probably be doing here is, um, sure, we're different, and whenever we focus the light on our differences, we probably in the end end up doing nothing but dividing us. But when we focus our attention and our light on where we're together— we, uh, we, there's so much more we have in common. All of us would mourn the loss of our child. All of us, uh, no matter what religion, would hope for a better life for our children and for our families. All of us desire to be better. All of us have fears. All of us at times feel alone. Um, at times we feel the peace that comes from our God. And so on the show, can I just challenge all of us, each and every one that are listening out there, will you just please be a light and be a source of teaching other people that uh, religions of the world are healthy and good. And um, also that we need to be more tolerant. We need to be more open to allowing people to have the practice of their religion and uh, that they can practice it how they would like to um, and where they would like to and in healthy ways. And we also might want to, um, as as we're doing this and thinking about this, remember, too, that we need to be patient for the days that some people, some members of your church, some members of your mosque or your congregation or your temple, when they step out of line and end up hurting other people, they're not doing it for the whole religion. They're doing it for their broken little self. And uh, I think if we could do that, we're going to be we're going to be a lot better off. So tolerance. Can we start teaching it to our kids? I challenge you. That's the challenge on the Matt Townsend show today. Go teach your children uh, a little bit of tolerance and a lot of love. And um, also, I would also just suggest maybe start opening up some doors where your kids can learn a little bit more about the world. And keep listening to the show, for heaven's sakes. We've got a lot here still to teach you right here on the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be back Monday through Friday uh, at 5 o'clock Eastern Time. Again, we replay the show 7 o'clock Eastern Time. And uh, we'd love to have you with us then. We'll see you and talk to you again tomorrow right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. KBYU FM HD2 Provo. Today's Thinking Aloud originally aired earlier this year. The following is a production of BYU Broadcasting in cooperation with the Brigham Young University Division of Continuing Education. In the tragically large lexicon of social disruptions, disasters, revolutions, 
colonizations, exilings, ethnic cleansings or relocations, in-migrations and out-migrations, 